0: Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me will. should have eternal life i will raise him up on the last day so the jews grumbled about him because he said i am the bread that came down from heaven they said is this is not this jesus the son of joseph whose father and mother we know how does he now say i have come down from heaven jesus answered them do not grumble Among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that everyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. this, This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this Bread he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Well, as we see here, and we read directly from the passage. It says that the Jews grumbled against Jesus. The religious leaders are grumbling against Jesus. But what Jesus is saying is profound, it's radical. That's why they're grumbling against Him. He says in verse 35, that I am the bread of life. They knew what He meant. He meant eternal life. He says it over and over here, even in John 6. Eternal life. I'm the bread. I'm the sustenance. I, I'm the one who sustains. I'm the one who satisfies. I'm the, I'm the one. If you want eternal life, if you, if you want to, to live with God forever, I'm the one that satisfies that. They knew what he was saying. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, there's an assumption in that that there is a hunger and a thirsting that is resident in every human being. Every human being that has ever lived, every human being in this room, in this state, in this country, every human being has a hungering and has a thirsting that is resident in us. And that hunger and that thirst is for God, to be in the presence of God, to be in relationship with God, not just to think rightly about God, is to be in the presence of God. And Jesus says, He's the one that satisfies that hunger and that thirst. Jesus Christ alone satisfies. There is no other satisfaction. Sometimes we try to fill the, fill the hunger, we fill the void, we fill the thirst with other things in the world and, and we're blinded to it. We're blind to the reality that really down deep what we need, what we, what we desire so much is a, is a spiritual feeding, a spiritual feeding that only comes from God and Jesus having come from heaven is the one who satisfies that feeding and that is a very radical statement for anyone walking this planet to make that that he's the one that satisfies it. They knew exactly what he was saying. Matthew echoes that in another way. Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, we can turn to Matthew chapter 11. And we'll look at several scriptures here today. But in Matthew chapter 11, turning at verse 25 we see something uh, of this nature. Matthew expresses it in a different way, uh, recording Jesus' teaching here in Matthew chapter 11, but starting at verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them. Who revealed it? The Father. And have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Interesting in that Matthew passage there, anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him, that's sovereignty. At the same time, Jesus announces, come to me. That's an obligation. Every human being has the obligation and the responsibility to come to Jesus. And at the same time, no one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father. No one knows God except the Son and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Profound. So whether we're in the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Matthew, the religious leaders are all worked up. They're stoked up for sure. They're, they're wondering, well, who is this guy? I mean, even if we see this later on, isn't this, isn't this the son of Joseph? Don't we know Joseph? Who who does he think he is? But Jesus comes along and he says that he will satisfy this universal longing. So if we have a longing, and as I say, we're blinded as human beings, we're blinded. To this reality, until we're converted, until we're born again, we're blinded to the reality—the down deep, our dissatisfaction, our hunger, uh, something that's not right. After after we've we've done all of these other things, pursuits, having other pursuits in the world, whatever they might be, we're just not satisfied. Is because we have that deep hunger and that deep thirst in us, and Jesus satisfies us. So, if we have that thirst and we continue. To be in an uneasy situation like that, it's only our own fault. It's our responsibility because Jesus has come to announce that he satisfies him. Now, in verse 36, Jesus says something very, very interesting. But I said to you that you have seen men yet do not believe. Now, we don't know. What Jesus said to this group of people. But he said something to them. And he says, but yet you do not believe. Notice the verse 35. Whoever comes. That's what we saw in Matthew. Whoever comes to me. Whoever believes in me. So, every human being is responsible. He says, whoever comes, whoever believes, those are the ones that receive eternal life, and yet he's, he's there teaching, and says, and yet you do not believe. Very interesting. May not shock you, but it might by the time we get through the next few moments. That Jesus would say that, that a human being, you or I, are responsible, we're accountable for the choices that we make and the choice to receive or to reject Jesus. To ignore Jesus is a choice. To receive Jesus is a choice. To lift your hand and claim Jesus and live your life as he has no other no influence on your life at all is a choice, it's a choice of denial no matter how high the hand went so believing, all those who believe in him uh, we read earlier, didn't we in in John chapter 1 all those who received him, those ones believed in his name And to them he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 37. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast down. Verse 40. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life and I'll, I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus believes in the resurrection as does the Apostle Paul as we read earlier from 1st Corinthians chapter 15. Jesus will raise them up on the last day. But each individual has this responsibility to come, to come to Jesus, to receive Jesus. Different words meaning essentially the same thing. To believe in Jesus, to look to Jesus, to receive Jesus. Come to Him. we find something very beautiful. that you, as a believer, you're listening today and are a true believer in Jesus Christ. Why, you're deeply loved. See, the Father loves the Son. The Father loves a son with a depth of love that escapes any human being. The Father loves the son. So much so that the Father gives the son a gift a bride, the bride of Christ. You. If you're a believer you and you and you are the bride of Christ and you are a gift that God has given to the son so that, that you that the church true true believers are this this sweet gift and you Nothing that you've done in and of yourself. But you have been given by the Father to the Son. MacArthur uses the phrase love gift. I love gift to the Son. How does that make you feel about yourself today? you were purposefully intentionally from all eternity past in the mind of god you were ordained yes you were predestined yes you were elect to be given to the son nothing of anything that you or i have done in ourselves completely the will of God. Well, isn't that what He says? Look at the, how the will is repeated in verse 28 or 38. Excuse me, 38. I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing that He has given me but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40. For this is the will of my Father. You get, you, you get the idea that it's the will of the Father that's involved in the will of God that's involved. He, he mentions the, the will of God, the will of Him who sent me, in verse 38, in verse 39, in verse 40. You get the idea that for Jesus, for the apostle John, under the, under the inspiration of the Spirit, that it is the will of God that something is happening to those who believe, to those who look upon Jesus. And it's the will of God that those people be given as a gift to the Son. Now, it's the... the He says there in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 37. All. All. That's a very important word, all. If if you'd like to mark in your Bibles, you can just circle that and put a little color there. All. That the Father gives me. Well, let me ask you, what does it say? All that the Father gives me will. Perplexing, isn't it? Yes. It is very perplexing. It stands as a mystery. What I'm presenting to you are the twin truths that are right before us in Scripture. That, that we don't know the mind of God. It stands as a mystery and the mind of God is a mystery of God. But they're twin truths of God. We, you I, we are responsible. For our choices can't get around it that is Jesus holds people accountable the Apostle Paul holds people accountable. at the same time it's the Father's will those two truths runs side by side like rails on a train track we remove one there's going to be a crash there's something that we misunderstand about God and we don't understand about ourselves, we move the other track. If, if we move, remove, if we attempt to, we can't because Scripture teaches it. If we attempt to remove our responsibility, then we have raw determination. It doesn't matter if we go to church. It doesn't matter if we pray. It doesn't matter if we make a choice for Christ. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Our choices matter. But if we take away the other part of it, the sovereign will, the predetermined will of God, if we take that away, then you and I are responsible, human beings are responsible for what the outcome in this world. And that is not what the Scriptures teach either. That God has a plan for this world. He has a plan for you, for me, for all of us. Those twin truths... Run side by side. Am I answering? Am I coming close? Yes, but it's very hard for me to grasp. It's, it's hard. It's been a mystery and it's perplexed the minds of believers, of theologians, for centuries. Especially so when I I, so. my son and my ex husband. So lost. Fine. But there is nothing here, nothing in Scripture that tells us if they are going to come to Christ or when. That's not for us to know. These twin truths are, are the twin truths. But I have no idea of knowing it. Someone out on the street, someone at the county fair, someone in my family. I have a responsibility, responsibility to make disciples of all nations. And by the way, you have that responsibility too. My job is to equip you. Ephesians chapter 4. You have the responsibility to make disciples of all nations. That's, that's our it's our call, all of us have that call. But I have no idea in, in this lovely woman believer's question, those that she dearly cares about, why will they not come to Jesus? I don't know why they won't come today. I don't know that they won't ever come to Jesus. That's in, the, that's in the mind of God. Our responsibility is to present Christ to as best we know how. Present to them, and God works in that gospel, in that preaching. As the Apostle Paul would say, how are they to know without a preacher? They, God works mysteriously in them. So, how those how those seemingly contradictory truths come together. No human being yet that I'm aware of has been able to give the definitive answer on how that works. It's perplexed the brightest minds that have ever lived. But they're truths. And we dare not deny one of the truths. We dare not deny that God is not sovereign in salvation. And we dare not Deny that it doesn't matter what we do as far as our choices are concerned. So it's very perplexing. But this, and this is why. Because if we can dimly glimpse 1% of the mind of God through His scriptures, why there's 99% of the rest of the mind of God that we don't know because He's infinite intelligence. He has a purpose, he has a plan, he and he understands how those twin truths put together and we, this side of eternity, don't understand. Now this kind of ties into the next point but it's a little it's a little different we believe in the goodness the love of God the mercy of God I'm I'm, I'm looking at believers here and I know you believe in in the, the perfection the love of God the perfection of God the mercy mercy of God So knowing that, those truths, another truth of scripture that's communicated in the scriptures, in the Psalms, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the beauty, the mercy of God, that's where we stand. That whatever God decides, whether a person comes to Christ, whether a person does not come to Christ, in the wisdom, in the love, in the mercy, in the perfection. And, and, and then in the predestination, in the, the election of God, that is perfect. That's perfect. In his mind, in his purposes, it's perfect. My friend, we might find in, in the book of Job, who are you to question God? We might find in Romans, who are you to question God? Did you make the universe? Uh, No, So, that's the question that, that we have here. We also have to grasp a hold of this truth. Thank you, sister. Slightly different sermon, but we'll get back to it. It's good. It's your question. Might as well be answering your question. No one who wants to come to Jesus Christ will be prohibited from coming to Jesus Christ. You understand? No one will be prohibited. Your responsibility is to come to Jesus Christ and bow your knee to Jesus Christ and serve Jesus Christ. No one who says, I want Jesus will be denied. That is another truth in Scripture. And Jesus says, Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come. of the saint, Jesus says he will never cast you out. That's why we can say that we're secure because we're based on scripture not something that I claim to believe or that the denomination claims to believe or that this group over here believes. Scripture says Jesus says he will not cast them out and all that the Father John 6 all that the father gives him will come because it's perfectly righteous for those individuals to come to Christ in the mind of the father now that's a great that's a great truth that that's really it's a comforting truth. It's a comforting truth that we're secure in Jesus Christ. That we're in this the everlasting relationship in no matter how difficult things get and how things get perplexing and how confusing things get in the world that we are preserved the, 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 the old Writers, they might I might say the perseverance, the perseverance of the saints. We could also say the preservation of the saints. It's not that we're under our own steam, the perseverance of the saints. The reason that we're kept in the kingdom and we do persevere in our faith is because of what God is doing. Preservation of the saints. So yes, It is hard. It is difficult. Why are people that we love and are concerned about resistant? I hope something that I'm saying today is helpful. Amen. Helpful to anybody? I mean, I can ramble by myself. Lydia catches me sometimes. I'm rambling. Who are you talking to? I can ramble to myself at home. Is it in some way helpful? Because here's a newsflash. You're living in the time when there's a hardening. There's an intentional hardening. Why won't they come? hoje well it sure did over in Germany there was a hardening over there oh wow oh wow there was a hardening in Central America Nicaragua oh there was a hardening over in Libya oh but not here why not you have scriptural basis for that why those Jesus. We're doing what we can, right? In the world. Hope you are. Doing what we can. You have a responsibility to come to Jesus, but it is God who determines salvation. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for God's grip on your life and on my life. Twin truths. Great amount of hope. If I can help on that question, please email me or you can ask me later. I hope some of that has been helpful. Well, we find out here, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Number five in your listening guide. Why can't a person come? Verse 44. No one can come unless The Father who sent me draws him. And the him there, the same verse, and I will raise him. It's the same him. We can get real technical on that word, but it's the same him. H-I-M. Not the hymn we sing.
1: The him.
0: H-I-M. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him. I will raise that one. The the, the one that the Father draws. I will raise that one up on the last day. We find in our scriptures, don't we, that, that really this is a great hope. Plenty of people resist this. By the way, it's repeated in verse 65. Apostle John must have thought that was important. Because of the the rebellion and the human heart, stubbornness of the human will, what we read and then we see last week in Romans chapter 3 that the Apostle Paul, citing from the Old Testament, he says, no one seeks after God. Hardness of the heart. Stubbornness of the human heart. God God has, has to break through. God wants to break through. It's the will of God to break through. The love of God wants to break through. Mercy. Breaking through. That's what happened in your life. Mercy, love, grace, compassion, power, omniscience. All-knowingness, knowing the depths of your heart and mind, sin and corruption in our own heart. Oh my, we wouldn't want to talk about that. In the 21st century, somebody might get their feelings hurt. Corruption in the heart of human beings, every human being as far as their relationship with God is concerned. So this rebellion that is present and is active in our lives is a problem with our relationship with God. God comes mercifully. That's why the apostles can talk about the great mercy of God. Let's just turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, as far as the relationship of God is concerned, spiritually dead, in which you once walked. Did you underline that word in your Bible? That's change. It's called change. It's called conversion. It's called being born again dead the trespass and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the heir that's the devil, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, the followers of the devil, among whom we all once lived in the past. all all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires in our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath. Well, aren't you glad God did something about that? Or are you so locked into your freedom, your free will, that that you're going to do it? The Scriptures say You're responsible for your choices and you are quite capable of making choices and those choices matter. They are real choices. But the scriptures also teach us that our desire, our wretchedness, our depravity, is such that it touches every part of our being and then we're in rebellion we're hostile we're enemies of god and and god by his mercy breaks through so that we so that we can come we can make a decision and we can make a make a choice and that was a real choice free choice some people are so locked into that they ignore the other part of it We were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Do you think you have your own steam to break through that? I have not seen that. Maybe you do. I have not seen that. God has to break through. Deity has to break break through. But God, verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive. Makes you want to worship, doesn't it? That's in the mind of apostolic worship they don't run from and if you notice the Apostle John does not run from the idea that that God in fact in fact predestines and he in fact holds us responsible for our choices John John is not concerned about that. He's not perplexed about that like we are in modern, modern days. He can state the truths under the inspiration of the Scriptures. He can state the twin truths. The Apostle Paul so elevates God he calls the great evangelist, the great missionary apostle Paul, he's out there calling everybody to make a decision and to come to Christ. But he says, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God, He made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, with, seated us with him in the heavenly places. Notice how it's God doing this. It's God doing it. It's God doing it. In the heavenly places. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Even the faith is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of works. Because someone could say, I had my faith at 8 years old. You had your faith at 38 years old. Ha, ha, ha. No. You had your saving faith when God broke through. For by grace, grace, by grace, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not in the work of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for Him. For, for Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually... Discern apart from the Spirit of God, why they can't. That's, that's why we have to have mercy and compassion, and not hatred towards people that haven't, that have not come to Christ. They, they're, they're blinded. Listen to this: Second Corinthians chapter four, verses one through four. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not of ourselves. Notice the blinding and the proclamation in the same passage. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown, God has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, back to John. Why is this so important? Why would it be important for Jesus? Why would it be important for the Apostle Paul? rather than strictly doctrinal precision. As we'll we'll find out, he can get ahead. But as we are about to find, the people are turning away. They're moving towards the end of chapter 6. They're moving away from Jesus, not coming to Jesus. So where does that leave Jesus? Where does that leave his followers, his apostles? Well, you can just hear Jesus, can't you? I, I guess my ministry is a failure. They're turning the other way. You, you could... His followers, you can see, can't you? Our rabbi, his ministry must be a failure. They aren't coming like we thought they would. It's not a failure. Why? Why is it not a failure? Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come. It's not about the precise selection of words or whether he wore the right robe that particular day or maybe maybe he went over to Capernaum and he should have gone on down to Jerusalem on that. It's all that the Father gives him will come. That defines the success in his ministry, not, the, not what is plainly obvious to the disciples that they're they're going. Jesus, do something. Maybe make some more bread, or bread. why don't you just get out there and walk on some water a little bit and get these people back? Do something spectacular. Get these people back. We know you, walk, you can walk on the water. Here they're 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 leaving. They're, they're leaving in, in, in a huff. They're they're complaining. They're grumbling. Verse forty-one. They're grumbling about you. Jesus, why don't you just get out there and walk on some water? The success of Jesus. Ministry is not providing the spectacular for the people. The success in your ministry is people coming. Everyone. All of them. According to the Father's... What are the three words? 38, 39, and 40. According to the Father's will. When the Father wills that they... Come, if He wills that they come. So it's a great—it's a it's great truth for Jesus. Great truth for for, for Jesus and the apostles will will learn this. His ministry is guaranteed to satisfy and please the Father, and that's I have come to do not my will but the will of Him who sent me. that needs to be your will not the, my will not the church's will the will of the one who called you into this time in this space very very rich and significant and strengthening to see Jesus Jesus knowing full well all will come to Him. Well, we pretty well covered this, I think. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, But all who did receive Him and believed in His name, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Same apostle, Acts thirteen forty eight. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. In Philippians chapter one verse six, the apostle writes this: "And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you." will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The apostle is sure that God, what he starts in a person, God's going to bring it to completion. Well, all this work of God, this drawing work of God, and we, just quickly, we can think of the, that word drawing as being somehow passive, kind of a passive, soft drawing, but actually, it, it's, it's more than that, it's intentional, it's purposeful. It, 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 it is sure to accomplish what has been started this drawing this drawing it's, it's, it conveys strength drawing now, all that god has given sovereignly and unconditionally to christ those are the ones that are assured of eternal salvation and this drawing includes verse 45 it is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Well, that doesn't mean that there don't need to be someone announcing the good news. It doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be someone communicating the scriptures or either reading the scriptures, as in our case today. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So, there's this announcing, God using the imperfect language, imperfect writings of very imperfect human beings, using it to hear about the Messiah, the anointed of God. It communicating that good news. And then there's this conviction that takes place. The Holy Spirit working and, and bringing illumination to our hearts. And they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Why? Because God's opened their mind to the truth. The the Spirit has opened their mind, opened their heart, opened their mind, and they're compelled to come to Jesus Christ. For them there is no other option. They're compelled. Drawing through the Spirit's illumination and conviction. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this wonderful passage, John six. I thank you for my sister's loving question a a powerful question, a right question. We have those questions, God. I pray that you help us to lean into your goodness, into your mercy and your perfection. Lean into your scriptures. Help us to cling boldly and firmly to the truths that are laid out even when they seem, Lord, so perplexing and, and hard for us to understand. Just help us to cling to it. I pray for your people in this room as they go out into this week, into this place into this world that we're into into this the environment of a a spiritually heartening environment it seems like lord give extra measures of grace to those you love right here in this this room draw them to yourselves if there's anyone here in this room or anyone listening you should know friend that you are commanded by jesus christ to come to him It's a command. It's a direct command. Come to Him and find spiritual rest that can only be found in Him. Eternal life in Him. You will not find it in some other religious leader. It can only be found in Jesus Christ according to the inspired Word of God, the Scriptures. So would you do that today? Would you come to jesus christ as your lord and savior as the forgiver of your sin turn from your sin and your unbelief your, your turn from your desire to live in a way that does not honor god and turn towards god pleading for forgiveness pleading for illumination and calling on god to help you grow to be more like jesus would you make that decision today i pray that you will And I pray that you allow us to share the joy of that choice that you are making. God, give grace and great spiritual strength and mercy to each person here in this room. And we pray in advance for our shoeboxes, that they go out of this place, that we have joy filling them, and that children all over the world would would be drawn to you, Jesus, and be celebrated. The joy only you can give in their heart. I pray this in your name. Amen.